On this dynamic episode, we focus on staying sharp as a tack, even when we're faced with adversity. As warriors, we do not let obstacles or challenges slow us down, ever. We work around them or through them, coming out the other end stronger and wiser. Our special guest today is a man that challenges the norm and has earned a reputation as one of the top closers in this planet. Brad Lee is a CEO of Lightspeed VT, the host of a very successful podcast, Dropping Bombs, and the creator of Making Moves. He is also a world-renowned speaker who inspires and motivates people from all walks of life. Join us in this enlightening conversation where you will learn how to overcome challenges, how to be real, what it means to be gritty, and why it has disappeared, and of course, why it is always important to try even if you make mistakes. Stand by. Rise up, a warrior, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War. My name is Rafa Conde, as you know, and I am your host. I am the founder of the Man of War movement, and we are kicking it, kicking it up to that next level. And I'm super stoked right now because two things right now are on the map. First of all is the Conclave of Warriors, December 1 and 2. If you have not reserved your tickets, it is a must right now before the end of June. Right now you're getting at early bird pricing and you're basically getting it for almost 20 to 25% of the regular retail price. More importantly, my brothers, all right, I'm going to give you a code right here, right now, J-U-N-E, capital J-U-N-E. If you use that before June 30th, you're going to get 100 bucks off your ticket. And if you have never heard Brad Lee speak, you are missing out big time. This guy rocked the 10X conference last year. He is an inspirational individual. He'll tell you how it is. He keeps it as real as can be. Do yourself a favor. Do not miss him live at Conclave of Warriors, December 1 and 2, downtown Miami. All right, this is going to be an unbelievable event, and I'm not going to stop talking about it because you must go to this. I got to tell you, if you miss this, you're doing yourself a major disservice. Just the networking alone with these warrior-minded individuals from all over the world it's going to be an unbelievable event. We got Navy SEALs Jason Redman, Ray Kerr, and Brent Gleason going to bring down the house. We have New York Times bestselling author and undercover agent Jay Dobbins. This man will motivate you. He will literally take you from where you are right now and put you into another world. Why? Because he has been there and done that. And we have two of the top entrepreneurs in this planet right now, Bedros Koulian and Brad Lee, who is the man that you're going to hear today in this podcast. You're going to get a little taste of what he is all about. Reserve your tickets right here, right now, conclaveofwarriors.com. That's conclaveofwarriors.com. All right, my brothers, I'm going to ask you to do me a big favor. Go to iTunes, leave us a review, subscribe to this podcast. Super important that we continue trending and staying in the top charts of iTunes. We're going to get this message out to more and more warrior-minded individuals. Give me a follow also at Man of War, okay? That is with two R's on Instagram, right? 
We're going to kick it live there. We're going to go into this new IGTV. We're going to bring you an episode or two every week. We're going to maintain connection, right? We're going to maintain that connection between the brotherhood and the movement because without you, without you, my brothers, there is no movement. There is no man of war. So thank you for supporting this movement from the bottom of my heart. Let's jump right into the show. Whip out a pen and paper. You're going to want to take notes. This guy is fucking badass. He's fun as shit too, man. So you're going to be able to, to really get a good feel of who Bradley is right here, right now. Stand by. Bradley, my brother, welcome to the Man of War podcast, man. It is an absolute honor to have you on, my man. It is an absolute honor to be on. <laughs> Listen, I've been trying to get you on for a while, so it's definitely an honor. And uh, I want to kind of jump right into this. But first, for our, our audience, do me a favor. Just introduce yourself real quick. Well, my name is Brad Lee. I am the founder and CEO of Lightspeed VT, which is a web-based interactive learning technology. And we're based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, and about 18-year-old company. Nice. So you started that 18 years ago. Damn. And by the way, I'd like to say that I'm a honorary police officer. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. This dude is legit, man. He has a badge, so be careful out there. He's out there doing his heroic work. Awesome, man. Hey, listen, I've been a longtime follower, Brad. All right. So what I want to do here is this. Because I've heard you in a bunch of podcasts. I've heard you in the, you know, speak in the 10X conference. But I'm going to take you a little bit out of that world, man. I'm going to take you a little bit into my world, okay? We're going to dive deep into your mindset, and we're going to kind of figure out how you operate, being that you are such a successful entrepreneur. All right, we're going to dive in. You know, we're going to also touch a little bit on your family life, how you're able to balance, right, work and family. Dude, because you are <laughs> you're a multitasker if I've ever seen one. <laughs> All right, so... First off, tell me a little bit about your growing up time. I mean, be, you know, did you have any mentors when you came up? And give me a little bit of story background. You know, I came up in a small town in Oregon. So there, and especially back in those days, there wasn't a lot of availability to, to mentors. You know, there was books, obviously, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't prone to reading much. Ultimately, I had to learn everything the hard way. My dad was a blue collar worker. Um, he started out in a little entrepreneurial spirit. We opened up a pizza parlor that led to a little uh, local newspaper and a tavern. And at some point my dad um, and his brother, my uncle, let the insurance lapse on the uh, bar, the tavern, and someone got you know a little bit hammered and went out and drove and crashed and they sued him. So from that point, knocked him back down to to blue collar so most of my life i grew up in a blue collar family dropped out of school when i was 16 thought i was going to be a movie star didn't listen to anybody so i would have to say no i didn't have any mentors nobody was there to to guide me um you know my grandfather on occasion gave me some good advice but it was mostly you know quick quick snippets when i was over at his house for one reason or another but but uh, I'd have to say no, no mentoring. Awesome. 
So you were basically, you became a self-made man. I mean, you started from the bottom and, and you worked yourself up. Now, as far as your salesman hat, I mean, if, um, I've heard some podcasts you talking about when you were younger, selling lemonade and, and kind of getting that, that, that drive within you, right, of being that salesperson, that type of entrepreneur. Was that something that was bred or, or how did you get that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, when I was six or seven, our school raised money by selling candy bars, world finest chocolate. And they gave me a box of chocolate bars. And it, again, my parents would come home at six or seven at night. They would go to work at, you know, early in the morning. Um, so we didn't really have much supervision. So anyway, you know, they gave me a box of candy bars to go sell. So I left my house walked down the hill, started knocking on doors and asking people if they wanted to buy candy bars. Real quickly, you know, I realized that I need some sort of opener and some sort of, you know, pitch. So I knocked on the door, put the candy bar behind my back, asked them if they have the phone number of a good roof repairman. And when they said why, I would say, because when you taste one of these, you're going to go through the roof. <laughs> and they just started laughing probably because I was a seven-year-old kid on the door with a slick line like that but ultimately they just started buying everything I had on me so I would go back to the school and get all the candy bars the other kids couldn't sell and they could not believe that I was out there selling these candy bars so quickly I sold more candy bars than the school had ever sold um, ever so I don't no one taught me how to do it I just realized it and, you know, thought I thought I'd be slick and funny. I, I've always been kind of a smart ass. Um, I've always kind of had a sarcastic, um, smart mouth, got me in a lot of trouble as a kid. And ultimately, that's worked to my advantage when it comes to sales. All right. So talk to me a little bit about your mindset. All right. So you started this company 18 years ago. All right. How? Talk to me how you got into doing what you're doing and then give us a little bit glimpse of what your company does and I mean why you're pushing it forward the way that you're pushing it. Well, I got into it because growing up, you know, I realized I could sell pretty much anything to anybody. I enjoyed sales. I didn't always do sales. At 17 years old, I was pressured to get a real job. And I say that with quote unquote real job. He else wanted to tell me what a real job was, and it ended up being manual labor, which I couldn't stand. So I got a job fighting forest fires, or at least I thought, ran around town bragging that I was going to be a forest firefighter. And when I showed up on the job, they actually had me put a 10-pound bag of water on my back and had me climb up and down the mountainsides, putting water on stumps that were smoldering. And after a day of that, I got poison oak on my arm, a little patch of poison oak about the size of a quarter. Went down to the, the you know the foreman and said, hey, I can't, you know, I'm not gonna be able to work. I've got poison oak, and you know he tears off his shirt and he's covered in it. Pretty much everybody's covered in poison oak. He says that's part of the job, man. Get out there and get going. So I immediately sat there and thought to myself, man, what am I gonna do? You know, disappoint people or or disappoint myself? And I chose myself. You know, I you know I quit. So I quit the job. Um, needed to get another job, opened up the newspaper and found an ad for selling cars. So I went in, I was 17 years old, got my first job selling cars. You had to be 18, so I 
basically lied, told them I was 18 because I was about to be in two months. I already told them I was 18. And then within a month and a half of, of, of uh, them finding out I was actually 17, I already was smoking the rest of the salespeople on the lot. So they basically overlooked it. But ultimately, that's my first foray into sales was was cars. I mean, you know, real traditional sales where I started to, you know, show up every day and do it. And so I stayed in the car business quite a bit, became very good at selling cars, uh, ended up over my career selling RVs, artwork. I sold Picassos. My brother, just a quick break in the action here. I encourage you to go watch the Warrior documentary. It is a great inspirational short film. I believe it's about eight to 10 minutes. You're going to love it. Go check it out at forgingawarrior.com forward slash warrior film. You know, I've sold Monet's, Chagall's, um, Rembrandt's. I've sold, you know, vacuums. I've sold everything you can think of, you know, in a span of 30 years. So ultimately, I became very good at sales, started showing people how to be good at sales, training other people how to be good at sales, and became very good at it. Now, that gave me the big idea to start a training company. Well, this was about 30 years old. So at 30 years old, I thought, I'm going to start a training company. I'm going to go out on the road, and I'm going to train people how to make more money and do better at sales. As soon as I started hitting the road, I realized that that the results were not there. Right? I couldn't I couldn't get the same results. So I wanted to figure out why. I did a little research, found out the four ingredients that are key to an effective training program, developed a software to help me do it, and then you know my business blew up. Ultimately ran into a bunch of competition, didn't have the money at the time to compete with them because they were all big names. And so I decided to show them my technologies to see if it might help them. Because if you know they were out doing the same thing I was, they we're bound to have the same problems. So I showed them my technology and decided to collaborate instead of compete. They signed and the rest is history. Now we're doing, you know, uh, millions of dollars a year. We do business with large companies that you've heard of. We've done, we do business with small companies you've never heard of. We do business with celebrities, um, you know, brands, Top Chef, World Series of Poker, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Tom Hopkins, you know, John Maxwell, the, the, list, the list goes on. Matter of fact, we're actually going to start doing stuff with the police officers, uh, a few of the uh, police officers with like, um, what, do you, what do they call it when the shooters come on site? Um, active active shooter. shooter training. We're doing some with uh, this. We're, we're helping out uh, an organization here called Wounded Blue, which is basically um, when cops get hurt, Ultimately, they're you know over there hurting to pay bills and they're kind of screwed. So that oh, that yeah. raises money for for cops. So we're helping with that. We're doing a lot of virtual training now for for law enforcement, first responders. Like very that. cool. Very cool. It's just growing. So that so that's what we do now. We just license our technology to companies and individuals looking to either train people better or monetize content. The last question you asked was why am I doing it? I'm ultimately doing this for two reasons. One, I want to fix education. You know, our education system's broken, it's antiquated, and I want to fix it. And we can fix it with our technology because right now we force the student to to, to adapt to the curriculum when in reality the curriculum should adapt to the student. See, when I was when I was born, um, or not born, when I was five years old, my birth certificate said I was six. 
So my parents didn't really want me around the house all day long. So they put me in school when I was five. Well, <laughs> they, they said I was hyperactive. You know, they didn't understand. And then, you know, now looking back at the research, they're finding that kids that are that are acting up in classes is a lot of times because they're bored. They didn't know that. Right, right. So again, if the curriculum could adapt to the student, identify the interests and backgrounds and learning styles of the students, a lot of these uh, uh, educational programs would be a lot more effective. Absolutely, that's that's phenomenal. And you know what I like about you is that you go out there. I mean, and you give of yourself, and that that's so important because a lot of guys out there they feel like you know being an entrepreneur is just take 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 close 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 close. But there's a different demeanor to you. It, it from what I see, and what at least what you're putting out there, what you're branding is you're going out, you're helping, you're giving of yourself. And I mean, that's a key component from in, in my world uh, of a warrior and especially someone that has that that focus, that uh, warrior type mind. It wasn't always like that. Ironically, I used to be kind of selfish. It was it was more about what can I do? What can I get? And then at some point I started to think about how can I help others get to where I was? Because I, I, I got up to about four or five hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, in the sales game and I was pretty damn good. I called my own shots. Like I was running the organization. Uh, and ultimately there was a time where, you know, I ran into somebody that couldn't afford Christmas presents for their kids. And, you know, they were, you know, they were a good looking dude, cool guy, no reason on earth. The dude couldn't be successful. And so I felt bad for them. I felt bad for his kids. And I thought, let me, let me help this guy, you know, turn it around. So I trained, the first person I ever trained, I turned him around. He was, you know, basically couldn't afford to eat, couldn't afford to give his kids clothes. Sure. I turned him into a shark. He started making, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Awesome. And it dawned on me that, you know, as, for, as long as I've chased success, it, it really was evasive until I started trying to help other people. And that's when success started chasing me. So since then i'm just eager to help people learn help people grow help people develop and ultimately help as much as i can help because i think that's where the satisfaction comes in i've had a lot of money and it's fun and it's satisfying but if you have a lot of money and you're alone you're eventually going to get bored there's no there's no meaning in money it just makes everything better money does make everything better but you but you you're not going to get fulfilled by it you you really at the end of the the day in your life, you're going to find out that helping other people is what actually means something and fulfills you. Yeah, that's a very powerful statement. No doubt. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, sometimes uh, we believe that money is going to be the end all be all. And the reality is that, you know, money can take you so far. And yes, of course, you're going to live more comfortable. They could, it can, it's going to give you different options, but it's not the end all be all. You got to give of yourself, no doubt about it. Now, I'm going to dive deep a little bit here. Talk to me about you and your family and how you connect the two and also how you disconnect the two. Now, one thing's a couple of things that I see, you know, the way that you go out there in social media, you're very hardcore, you're very true to your fans, to your followers, to your tribe or you call it your bomb squad. You're very true to them and you do this in a way that is very tactical, all right, as a, a police officer and, and a guy that's always looking at tactics and 
looking at the way people evolve and how people do things what i notice about you is that you're very you, you you're guarded with your family which is phenomenal you do show your family a little bit here and there but you're very specific the way that you kind of lay out your uh, social media like your stories and things like that give me a little bit of in input there well, I don't think I do it intentionally, so I wish I had some strategic plan. Um, you know, I just, I'll throw something on a story when I want to share it, or I think, you know, it might resonate with somebody. Um, one thing I'll do is make sure I keep it real. You know, I think if you try to be somebody that you're not, you're only, you know, prolonging a crash later. When I was very young, I, I in my neighborhood, started lying, and, uh, you know, I tell my friends my dad owned Disneyland. Well, you know, they'd find out that he didn't, obviously. And then I became labeled as a liar, and I tried to be something I'm not. I was ashamed that we weren't rich like like other people. And I and I came across, um, you know, phony, I'm sure. And ultimately, it, it backfired. And that taught me at a young age. You know, you got to be yourself because when you when you are 100% authentic with yourself. You're going to attract the right people into your life and you're going to repel the wrong people out of your life. And I always say to people, you know, like alcoholics, you know, hey, if you like to drink, then freaking drink. And guess what? You're going to attract the people that don't mind drunks in their life, right? Mm -hmm. what's, right. Whether that's good or bad is irrelevant. My point is, is if you're a drinker and you like to drink and that's it, you, you just want to be happy and drink, well, then, you know, don't act like you're not a drinker because then eventually someone's going to realize, oh, sh shit, this guy's got a drinking problem and you're going to lose those people. But if you keep it real with yourself, you're going to you're going to attract the right people into your life and you're going to repel the wrong people. Did you at any time go through a transition, say, from uh, what type of person were you? Were you private person going into social media or were you pretty much open? Well, I was pretty much open. I mean, you know, okay. I'm not too worried about, well, it's social media. I mean, that's what it's about. The word social media says it all. You're supposed to socialize. You're supposed to post things that you feel you want to share with the world. So when I started, you know, I just started saying things that I believe, uh, showing mm -hmm. things that I'm doing, people that are in my life. And, and my goal was to help others either learn something or realize something or wake up because most people, believe it or not, their biggest problem is themselves. They're limited. They have limited belief. They don't think it's possible, you know, to do something. Like you said, you, you were making a lot of money and decided to be a cop. I, I love that. Most people don't realize that they can make a lot of money. It's not in their head. They don't think it. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's uh, no doubt about it. For me, the transition was definitely one that was uh, a very powerful transition. And, uh, you know, to this day, no doubt about it, I feel like I did the right thing. You know, I was a young guy coming into the to, to Wall Street. I mean, you know, I was closing big fish all over the world. We're talking about hardcore boiler room tactics. One thing I will say is that my closing skills became monster because I just was very powerful and everything was one call closes and you would build clientele but remember brad at that time the market was going through the roof so it was a lot easier to close 
you know, a big fish than it is nowadays. Uh, regardless, um, you know, you had guys in their 20s, 19, driving, you know, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, just throwing cash left and right. And it was, it was a very powerful experience for me. Now, with that said, I want your take on today's society, okay? Like, and I've heard you on a couple of, of, of podcasts, and, and, and I agree with most of what you say, but I have a different perspective when we talk about the millennial mindset, when we talk about the, the, the younger generation coming through. Now, keep in mind, I have... I have four kids, you know, I have one that's 20, one that's going to be 19, then I have a five-year-old girl and a uh, 12-year-old child. So I have a, a little taste of, of, of a lot of different levels. So tell me what your perspective, I mean, which, give me your vision on this new generation that's coming up. Well, I mean, I think people have, a, uh, I believe, this is my opinion, I think that people are labeling them and stereotyping them incorrectly. Um, I think the people that are coming up right now are more aware, more informed than anyone ever in the history of the world. Information is a click away. Um, you know, they're inquisitive. Uh, they're not lazy. They're not stuck to, 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 to their iPhones. I mean, you know, back 20 years ago when there weren't iPhones, dude, people were sitting there watching TV all the time. So what's the difference? So I think I think millennials want to be involved. I think they want to be. Um, I think they want to be uh, educated and and like I think they value development over compensation in some cases because I think they realize compensation will come on its own if they develop. And I think they they want to be heard and they want to be given an opportunity. I agree there 100% with you. Talk to me about grit, though. That grit, that's what I see that's lacking. What you're saying is 100%, but what I see that's lacking is that inner drive to get dirty when the shit hits the fan. And the way that I'm looking at it is I'm a police academy instructor. Over the last decade, I've trained thousands of police recruits, and just the mindset that rolls in now the grit is not nearly as strong as it was seven, eight, nine years ago. There's one thing that I think uh, matters, and that is, you know, people don't get their ass beat anymore. You know, when I grew up, I got my ass beat. Now, again, it was with a belt. It wasn't abuse. But, yeah, I got my ass beat. Like, you do something wrong, my dad would take off his belt and beat your ass with it. And they don't do that anymore. And I think that affects um, a little bit uh, with, you know, entitlement and and what I call little pricks. Like, you know, they're just being little pricks. But at the end of the day, when it comes to grit, like, you're you're going to lose the grit when when people, you know, are are raised in a different time. I mean, think about it, bro. That you know, we're not ten years ago. The grit wasn't grit compared to 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, the grit wasn't grit compared, compared to 20 years ago. Go back in the cowboy days, dude, you get your ass handed to you within five seconds because back then they were 10 times gritty. Amen. So the grit is going away because, because comfort and convenience is, is continually increasing. So I don't blame somebody for not wanting to get their hands dirty. If you can be successful and make an impact without getting your hands dirty, what the hell do you need your hands dirty for? So you believe that 
you know, you don't really need as much grit. But let me ask you this. When you were coming up, you were a self-made man, so you went through shit. You had to get your hands dirty. You went out there. You sold. Uh, and I get the concept that, hey, we would if we had iPhones then, we would be the same way that we are now. But there is something to say for going door-to-door for communication with individuals, face-to-face. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, if that's what you want to call grit. I mean, I don't believe if you if what you're saying is the new generation, the millennial, quote unquote, millennial doesn't want to work. It sounds like I don't believe that. I know a lot of them that want to work their asses off. They're just not willing to get dirty, which to me means pick up a shovel and dig ditches. Like what what the hell do I need to dig ditches for when I can make money other ways? I wouldn't dig ditches either. I quit that job because it was difficult and I got poison oak, and they wanted me to just tough it out. Well, guess what? I could have made, I, I can make money sitting in a suit on a car lot with a pen. So I chose the same thing. Now, my grandfather was a logger. He set, you ever, you know, you, you know the logging? Well, he set choker. So, you know, not only that grit, that's dangerous, that's tough. That is a tough job. Well, I'm not going to set choker. I didn't have to set choker. He did. My dad worked at the Weyerhaeuser mill. He had to set choker. You know, then he went to Weyerhaeuser, which is kind of a promotion, where now you just sit there and monitor the green chain. So I think with anybody, the, the, the more opportunities you have, the more you're going to gravitate towards comfort, which I don't agree with. I think if you really want to be successful, you need to seek discomfort. But there at the end go. of the day, what is discomfort? You know, it doesn't it doesn't mean what it used to mean. So when you say hard work and grit, w- what does that mean? Like, do you expect someone to go out and grab a shovel and dig a ditch when they can open up a computer and make twice as much? No, in my world, Brad, that means basically paying your dues, going out there, leaving that blood and sweat on the mat, leaving you know it's 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 that inner that inner grit that has to happen and. And I'm not saying that you have to do that for an X, Y, Z amount of time, but there is a bottom line. There is a starting point. I think when you get things given to you and you sit on that comfort and you never get a feel for what it is to be in the grit, in the mud, digging ditches, getting dirty, right? I think you lose some perspective on where you are and and where you can go. So my take on it, and 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 I'll let you talk. I think like guys like yourself, like Grant Cardone, like Zig Ziglar, like you know, guys that have come up and have been very successful and are you know killing it in social media and doing well. I think that there is a part there that they you every one of you there has a similar background in the sense that you know you started from the low low and and you moved your way up. All I'm saying is that I think nowadays some of the millennials are starting at that half or three-quarter way up and not really paying their dues. Well, I would have to agree that some, I'm sure, are spoiled little pricks that don't want to pay their dues, they don't want to get their hands dirty, and they don't want to you know, do what it takes to get the job done. They want someone to give them a free ride. And yes, there are some of those, but I know, you know, Gen Xers that want to do it too. I know. Gen- <laughs> no so joke. I, no joke. I wouldn't label the whole. 
No, no, course, not at all. Just because some of them are little entitled pricks. But entitlement has, has increased since I was a kid. I mean, we didn't get eight place trophies, you know. <laughs> I, Don't even get me started there. <laughs> you know, you, you get everybody gets a participation award. Nobody gets first place because they don't want to hurt the other people's feelings. Like, I, that's affecting yeah, well. Uh, generations. I think that's not okay. Uh, if I could change it, I would go back to look. You you freaking lost. You 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 need to. Awesome. You got yeah. your ass kicked. You're not the best one. You know, go practice harder, pay dues, and earn the damn trophy. <laughs> Agreed. Couldn't agree more with that. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk a little bit about your routine. Give me an idea of when you get up in the morning to when you put your head in the pillow. How does Bradley get up and focus so intently on the day ahead? I wake up at about 4.30 to 5, maybe 5.30 sometimes if I'm sleeping in. I don't use an alarm clock. I feel if I don't wake up, my body needs sleep. So no matter what's going on, I will not use an alarm clock period. And I've never, never missed an appointment. So ultimately I wake up at 4.30 to 5.30. My eyes open. The first thing I think about are my goals, basically, you know, wh wh where, where I'm going, what I'm doing, how I'm going to, how I'm going to get there. I jump out of bed, um, almost instantly, like somebody's in my house that shouldn't be like, I'm boom up out of bed. You know, when you lay there in bed, next thing you know, you fall back to sleep. You know, you're comfortable. You don't want to get up. So as soon as my eyes open, I get the hell out of bed, period. I, you know, go down some water and ultimately think about my goals and, and how am I going to get there? And what do I need to do today? See, too many people want to worry about some three-year plan, some five-year plan. Dude, you can't even get past today. Like, what are you going to do today? Because you know what? Life is basically a combination of decisions and choices that you make every day. So where I am today didn't happen today. It happened years ago and on the way to now. It's a culmination of, de of decisions and choices that I've been making for years. So I just try to focus on what choices, what things can I do today? And I want to make great choices today. And, and you know, a year goes by and everyone goes, well, holy shit, dude, you blew it up. And it's like, I didn't, I didn't realize I was going to blow it up a year ago. I just knew that every day you got to master the choices that you're making on a regular basis. I'll give you an example. I mean, some people get up, they, you know, what's for breakfast? Oh, they'll grab it. They'll grab a donut, right? Well, dude, you're, you're, you're choosing to be fat. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, it's just a donut. Bro, little choices lead up to major problems. It's just a Diet Pepsi. It's just a Coke. It's, you know, I'm just drinking a Coke. What's the big deal? Dude, you're choosing diabetes. You're choosing. Yep, yep. Good point. So people don't realize that. So, so what I do when I get up at 530 is I think about what do I need to do today? And I start trying to figure out what choices can I make right now so I'm ahead of the game? Then, obviously, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in a podcast, work out a little bit. Then I come home, uh, get my little girls up, cook them breakfast, um, take them to school, and then I go to work myself. Now, 
work, you know, all kinds of things happen. Could be traveling, could be doing a speech, could be doing a podcast, could be doing, you know, a number of things. So it's, it's a myriad of things. I'll leave work around five or six, sometimes seven or eight, but about five or six, I'll shoot home and uh, play with my little girls, watch a little TV with my wife, spend a little time with her. She'll make dinner. We'll hang out. And then I'll put the kids to bed around eight, eight thirty, And then I'll probably, usually I'll go back to work technically, if you want to call it work, but it's just answering emails. And um, I kind of plan a little bit about what's, what's happening tomorrow. And then I watch whatever shows that I've DVR. I love billions. Um, uh, obviously I watch walking dead and, uh, so, so I, I watch a few shows and then at about 1130 or 12 o'clock I go to sleep. So you're, uh, you're good on four or five hours. Yeah. I don't understand how people can sleep longer than six. No, that's good. That's good. And you wake up pretty much with energy, even though you have four or five hours sleep. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> you woke up and, with four hours sleep. And you knew you were going to go pick up $30 million. Bro, oh, trust yeah. me, you won't be tired. If Absolutely. You're, it's because of your mindset. There you go. There you go. So I want to talk about what really inspires you daily. I mean, now that we're on the subject here, let's take it there. What inspires, what motivates you, what gets you going? The fact that I'm not where I want to go is is really the only thing that motivates me and inspires me on a regular basis. I mean, when I see other people accomplish great things, that inspires me. Um, but ultimately, I don't really... I, what inspires me is that there's more potential. Like, I know that I'm not as good as I can be. I know that I'm not where I, where I need to be and where I want to be and where I can be. And to me, that's inspiring. So I just constantly... Um, am striving to reach my own potential and hopefully, you know, I'll reach that someday, but I just know that when I do, I'm just going to set another mark, another goal, another objective. So I don't think I'll ever quit being inspired. If you had to close your eyes right now and look back in time for one of your biggest fuck ups, something that you fucked up so badly that to this day you say, damn man, I fucked that one up. Talk to me shit all the time still do at the end of the day I'm not afraid to lose and I'm not afraid to make mistakes and I'm not afraid to try um, a lot of people are a lot of people are so worried about looking stupid being wrong making a mistake that they don't do shit so they're just standing there and guess what here I am fucking up all over the place making mistake after mistake all the way to a billion dollars because guess what when you make a mistake if you're smart you freaking learn if you learned if you did something and it didn't work, well, guess what? You just learned one way not to do it. And now you do it again and you make another mistake. Meanwhile, someone's like, look at that clown making all those mistakes. Yeah, he's also, if he's a smart clown, he's learning his way to success. I'm not afraid to make mistakes. I'm not afraid to make a move. I'm not afraid to look stupid. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're taught a lot of this limited bullshit back when we were young. You remember when you were in school, you'd raise your hand, teacher would call on you, you'd get the answer wrong. What would the teacher always do? Wrong, wrong, down. Yeah. Next. Yeah. And you look you're, stupid, you're wrong, you feel dude. stupid, yeah. and we were taught that being wrong is wrong. You don't want to be wrong. 
I don't agree with that. I'm not afraid to be wrong. You know, it, I don't know if you were at this latest 10X. I, I talked to people that saw me speak, and, and one of the things that they liked the best was, was when I said that. I said, dude, I'm not afraid to be wrong. I pointed at a guy in the audience. I said, hey, is your name Ted? He goes, no. And I said, see, I'm wrong. Who gives a fuck? Like at the end of the day, who cares? So I have screw up on a regular basis. We'd be here for seven hours talking about it. I mean, some of the biggest screw ups, you know, I, I, I had uh, daughters with with girls at a very young age and I didn't um, take responsibility and, 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 you know, hang around and be their father when they were growing up. Now, now of course I am. Um, but, you know, I, I think I made a mistake there. I, sh I wish I could have just been a responsible human being and raised them and, and uh, had that advantage. Um, that was a big mistake. Um, shit. Treating people poorly was a big mistake. Making fun of people, um, you know, making people feel bad and not encouraging them. You know, that's a big mistake. Um, realizing that now shit dude i spent my whole youth making mistakes every day all day i used to make fun of people if you were fat or had a problem I, i'd tell you about it you know those were all mistakes i should have empowered people made them feel good about themselves now telling the truth i'd still do but i think you know what i mean i, was just, yeah, I could have helped a lot more people than i did the biggest mistake i've made so far is not thinking big enough and not helping more people what do you fear what do you look at at times and you say, fuck, man, I, I'm scared I, 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 because every man has that. What do you fear? The only thing that really scares me, believe it or not, is fucking prison. That's it. Like, and that's why I don't fuck around at all. Like, you know, oh, it's a gray area. Fuck you. Gray to me is stay the fuck out of it. But I promise you, you know, <laughs> prison is what scares me. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I think that scares pretty much everyone. No matter how tough you think you are, prison will kind of change that view, no doubt about it. And talk to me about what is your belief, and what do you believe that discipline does for someone? Do you do you apply discipline in your life? I know that you wake up early. I know that you're pretty structured in your day, but in general. Do you use discipline to kind of carry to you to, to say all aspects of your life? Well, absolutely. Um, if you were to ask me like over a beer, I'd say no, because I don't consider it discipline anymore because I've done it so long. Now I just think it's normal. So I would say no because of that reason. But if I wanted to break it down, like if I weren't me watching me, oh, yeah, discipline in every single thing I do every single day. You know, discipline builds confidence. Discipline builds ethics. This discipline builds integrity. I think discipline is the difference between success and failure. Awesome. Give me your biggest success, that bam moment where you just felt like, damn, I'm either I've arrived or I'm getting here or shit's just turning blue for me right now. Um. Believe it or not, you know, I think, I think, I don't think that at all. I think I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I'm completely disappointed that I'm, you know, my age and not farther ahead. 
So I'm the opposite. Like people think I'm successful. I don't think I'm successful only because I'm looking from where I'm going. Right. You ever, you ever see those guys that are like 550 pounds and you know, so they say, Hey, I lost 40 pounds Well, 40 pounds is a bit, but you can't even see it. Like their neck didn't even shrink. Right. Right. Well, you can't tell. So that's, that's me. I see it. Like I, I'm going to be a billionaire. I should have been there by now. That's where I'm going, and I'm nowhere freaking close. So, am I more successful than the average Joe? I guess so. Am I successful? No, because I'm way farther away than where I should have been. So, but to answer your question, um, I would say, I would say, what makes me feel successful is that, that, that people uh, text me and message me and uh, tell me that I've change their lives, change their mind, help them, you know, grow, develop, uh, improve or whatever. And to me, that's what makes me think, wow, man, I'm, I, I guess I am doing something good here. I'll, I'll make a statement on a podcast that I think is just common sense. And I'll get a letter from somebody out of the blue. I'll get a letter and ba basically do it, it's, it's them crying about how much their life has changed because of what I said. And even though I thought it might be common sense, it helped that person. And that's what that's when I decide, you know what, I'm actually becoming somebody, I guess. And by helping others, it makes you feel powerful in the sense that what you have to say and what your your life is about has meaning. I mean, a lot of people, I think, live without any type of meaning, without any type of drive or focus to better themselves and to help others. But when you get out of bed, you might have your whole day set up. But what I like about you is that you still go out there, you still do your podcast, you're reaching out, you're touching other people. And that is a very powerful way to live life, no doubt about it. So is your ultimate goal, Brad, hold on, is, is your ultimate goal to be a billionaire? Yes. So you're, you're focused, your goal, you're fucking saying, all right, that is my ultimate goal. Tell me why. Because I want to be able to reward people financially. In other words, advice is great, but sometimes money is what fucking matters. Right? You know, if I get in a money crunch, I don't need your fucking advice, bro. I need a loan. You know, I don't need, you know, some quote or some fucking meme. I need $150,000 to save my house, or I need $80,000 to get my kid an operation that will save their life, or something to that effect. And, you know, when you have a billion dollars properly invested, you could earn a 15% return. And you could afford to live, literally give away, you know, a million dollars a month without even blinking, sure. without even blinking. So my goal is to become a billionaire so I can go out and, and help people financially on top of, you know, any other way. So it's not about just going out there and getting new toys every week. It's about using that to better yourself through helping other individuals. Yeah, I want to. I want to have so much money that I can give anyone I want money as often as I want. And when I find someone deserving, I want to give them money. That's awesome. That's very powerful, right there, because there's uh, 
It, there's a lot of guys out there that have a different mentality. You know, it's all about getting toys. It's all about me, me, me. And, uh, you know, the fact that you're out there giving of yourself is uh, very unique. And, and there are guys that do that, but not very, very far few between. And I call these men warriors. All right, talk to me before we go here. Talk to me about where your mission here is over, say, the next five to ten years. If I take you ten years from now, where do you want to be? Well, ten years from now, I will be a full-time philanthropist, which ultimately means giving money and helping causes. Either inspiring people or, you know, financing people. I'll be done in 10 years. I'll, that's all I'll do is I'll, I'll travel around, meet people, inspire people, um, build things, uh, cause an impact, you know, build housing shelters for abused women and children, uh, you know, fund, you know, campaigns to grow awareness of, of certain causes and things that need to be, you know, uh, given attention, um, teaching, you know, making an impact. That's awesome. And one last question here, and this is more a personal question here. <clears throat> How do you balance your time with work and family? I mean, how do you keep the wife happy at home? How do you keep the kids happy at home? Well, I, I, I don't really think about it. I mean, my job is to keep me happy because if I'm not happy, they're not going to be happy. So I don't really think about how do I keep them happy. I think about, you know, what needs to get done, and then I debate on what do they need. So, like, for example, I was going to go close a deal in Florida, and it was about, I don't know, half a million dollars in my pocket. And my wife tells me it's Aria, my, that's my daughter, it's daddy-daughter dance on that day. So I called up the appointment and canceled it. And they said, well, this is the only time we can do this. And I said, yeah, I understand. I, I understand that. And I, I apologize, but, you know, it's daddy-daughter dance. And how did I decide that? Well, anytime you want to decide on what's more important, here's what you do. Here's what I do. I close my eyes and think, do I want a half a million dollars or do I want my daughter? If one had to disappear, what would you pick? That's great. I mean, of course, the money can go fuck itself. <laughs> Right, so then it becomes really, really evident as, as what's the right choice, right. right? And so I picked daddy-daughter dance. Well, guess what? Sure enough, fucking 13 days after the daddy-daughter dance, they picked up the phone and said, can we reschedule? And I made the deal anyway. Now, I yeah. fucking went out there over half a million dollars and missed the daddy-daughter dance. Now, with that being said, if I had to go out there and miss a daddy-daughter dance, I fucking would have. But, but, but I'm in a situation where I don't need a half a million dollars. So at the end of the day, you know, it changes. So I don't really understand when people say, how do you find balance? Well, what does balance mean? I mean, shit, dude, think about it. You, you, you sleep how many hours a day? Let's say eight. Okay, you work how many hours a day? Let's say eight. Okay, well, then you, spend, you give eight to your family if that's what balance means, you know? But to me, it's like, dude, I got to get done what I got to get done. I deal with everything on a, on a daily basis, and I prioritize things based on intelligence and common sense. It's common sense whether you should miss a birthday or not, and it's common yeah. sense whether or not you fucking you know should should pass. You you being a, uh, in law enforcement, 
you know, you're driving down the road. It's your it's your anniversary. You, you guys have a wonderful dinner planned. You're driving to pick up your date, and you see somebody getting their ass kicked on the side of the street, and someone take uh, you know, you see something where, dude, you just make the choice. It, it's not about balance. It's about you know, what do you need to do on a regular basis? I go back to that day-to-day thing. So I wish I had some slick answer about balance. I just don't believe there is balance. Sometimes I've worked late at night for a week straight, and then I spent two days at home um, hanging out with the kids. And to me, that's that's balance. So, so again, I don't understand. Sure. I don't understand what balance is. I don't think it exists. What I think exists is common sense and priorities. Awesome. That's very good, man. That's, those are some very powerful words right there. All right, Brad, where can our listeners follow you? And, uh, you know, I know, I know you're on Instagram. Give us your ID on Instagram. Are you on YouTube also? Yeah, I got a YouTube channel where I drop some videos. Awesome. You can find- where, so where can they find you? You can usually find me on any social media platform. Uh, by just typing in Brad Lee, which which is L E A. Gotcha. But if you can't, you know, you type in the real Brad Lee, and you for sure will. But usually, Brad Lee L E A works. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat. I, I prefer Instagram though. If you really want to engage and interact, it's either Twitter or Instagram. Gotcha. Well, Brad, man, it's been a pleasure having you on. A lot of powerful words coming out, definitely. You're a warrior-minded man in my book for sure. And I would love to have you on again because I'm literally, on the top of my head, I got at least another 20 questions to ask you. So I'm glad that you were on, and I had the uh, definitely a great connection here as we spoke, and uh, I look forward to having you on again, my brother. Hey, it's a pleasure being on, and I appreciate that. If you're ever in Vegas, I'd love for you to come by, drop a few bombs with me. Awesome, man. Awesome. Love Vegas. No doubt about it. All right, my brother. Stay safe. Boom, chakalaka. What a great conversation with Bradley. And you know he's going to be at the Conclave of Warriors. You know he is going to bring down the house. No doubt about it. All right. So listen, I hope that you took some notes here and you learned some lessons because they were very, very powerful. We're talking about being real here. We're talking about understanding the concept of grittiness versus working hard. All right. Sometimes we got to work a little bit smarter than harder. And it's all about that self-discovery, self-transformation journey. You got to go listen to this guy speak December 1 and 2 at the Conclave of Warriors. Go get your tickets right here, right now at theconclaveofwarriors.com. Remember, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.